And hello and welcome everyone to this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, hope everyone had a very good series of Chagim. Obviously, this is a unique time of year for, for Jews and maybe any people in the world. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah, all that stuff back to back to back to back. Um, and now it's time to really take on the year, uh, but it's still an unusual time. It's not like we're on holiday, but it's still an unusual time, obviously, with the COVID-19 effects still so much in effect, especially when we talk about major Jewish communities throughout the world, whether it's in Israel or here in the United States. If there's a large number of Jews in uh, your city or your town, then you're probably under more COVID-19 uh, effects and, and changes than others. I think an exception might be the Miami area where Florida has a while ago decided not to bother anymore with full-time lockdowns and basically open up and we'll try to work it out. But if you're, when you take a look at the other major Jewish communities in North America, uh, Toronto is still under some heavy lockdowns uh, and, and changes. Los Angeles, Chicago, um, so that that is uh, that is one thing that's different about ending the Chagim this year and ending the holidays this year. We're still in this strange sort of quasi at home situation, as if we were sort of on a holiday and in some ways, but not in a good way. Um, obviously, though, that is the segue for really a very sensitive topic today for Novak now, and I understand that. This is something that might get people very, very upset one way or the other when we talk about it. But of course, I'm talking about what's going on in New York City, specifically in Borough Park and other parts of Brooklyn, and the response to the ultra-Orthodox, you know, again, let, let's take a look at labels for a second. We can call it the ultra-Orthodox community. We can call it the Haredi community. In a lot of cases, we're talking about the Hasidic community, and specifically here, the Lubavitch Hasidic community, because we're talking about Borough Park and, and to some extent, Crown Heights. And the war that's going on, at least the war of words, there have been some violent incidents, one or two, between those communities, between that ultra-Orthodox community, that Haredi community, and the mayor of New York City and the governor of New York State. I want to come out and just immediately say that I don't think either side is completely wrong or right. Although I do believe that the mayor and the governor and the secular powers that be in New York City and New York State have acted in many ways shamefully, in, in ways that are much more shameful than anything that the Orthodox community is doing. Again, that being said, I do think that there are things that the Haredi community, especially in Brooklyn, could be doing better. But ultimately, I think that we are seeing here what goes on in the minds of, of individual politicians. And, you know, I don't know anyone who uses the word politician in anything other than a denigrating tone of voice. We don't call someone a politician, and I don't know anyone who considers that a, a compliment. So when I say we see the political reasons behind what the city and what the state is doing with the Orthodox community in Brooklyn as a political move, I don't think anyone thinks, oh, that is a, that's a good thing. <laughs> There are, there's a political motive here that really has to be spoken of first. Before you start talking about what happened at some of these demonstrations in Brooklyn during Holomoid Sukkot, by the way, that's when these, those demonstrations took place in Borough Park. 
but before you talk about any of that, you really have to mention the fact that the harsh words that you're hearing from Governor Cuomo and from Mayor de Blasio to talking about Jewish communities and Jewish neighborhoods in Brooklyn is politically motivated. First and foremost, there are major aspects of what they're saying that are public policy motivated. Again, as I said just a few moments ago, there are things that the ultra-Orthodox, the Haredi community in Brooklyn should be doing more to be safe during this COVID-19 outbreak. And yes, the virus seems to have weakened. Yes, we have much more effective treatments for it now. And it does not seem to be, it, do, it seems to be much less fatal than it was even at its height. But even at its height, it's, it had a 94% survival rate for even the most vulnerable people in society. In other words, people like 65 and older, it still has a 94% survival rate. For people younger, it's, it's 99.9 you know, or, or more. Nevertheless, there are things that could be done. Some of the crowd rules were broken. Some of the masking situation was not, was not being adhered to. It should be adhered to. There should be better efforts uh, made to, to, to all these things. If that means having 10 different minyanim or services at the same time spread out across a few blocks, I mean, what place other than Brooklyn would, is, is better to try to do that when you can really get a minion in some of these neighborhoods at a snap, you know, really easily as long as you do some forward planning? So again, I don't want to say this is all the governor's fault, all the mayor's fault, all their political maneuvering here. But for the most part, it is. And we know that because of this very hard fact, which is that it's not just the Jewish communities, the ultra-Orthodox communities that are breaking these rules. And that's never been the case since the beginning of this outbreak. Some of you might remember very early on, when it was still cold outside, it may have been officially spring, but I don't think it even was. I think this is well before April. There was a massive rap video being filmed in Canarsie, Brooklyn, at a barber shop and on a block where people were packed in there like sardines. Nobody was arrested for that. Nobody was called out. Mayor de Blasio or Governor Cuomo never said a peep about that. There have been people in the public parks in New York City, especially since the weather got warmer in April. And I know it's getting colder now again suddenly, but... But, you know, we're still kind of, we have, we have a nice outdoor weather for the most part still. There have been plenty of people who are not Orthodox Jews who have been congregating in large crowds, who have been breaking the COVID rules, but they have not been called out. And, I, and there's, there's simply one reason for that. And I, I know a lot of people might say, well, it's anti-Semitism, but it's actually deeper than that. It's political. Mayor de Blasio and, and, and Governor Cuomo know two things. One is their power bases are not threatened by the, quote, Jewish vote. Andrew Cuomo, if he decides to run for re-election as governor in 2020, uh, I guess it'll be 2024. No, that's not right. 2022, he'll run, he's up for re-election if he decides to run or if he isn't in another job. He's going to win New York City whether or not the Orthodox Jews vote for him or not. And he's not likely to face a Republican challenger who can beat him under almost any circumstances, despite what I think has been a, his really bad record as governor. Really bad. And that goes before, that's for before even the COVID crisis. Some of the decisions he's made about the economy have very much hurt the upstate New York area, which has been in desperate need of an economic surge for decades. And he's, he's furthered their problems. 
And there's a lot of other issues as well. But his COVID-19 record, especially his decision to allow the hospitals to tell him what to do, which was keep the elderly patients in nursing homes or send them to nursing homes as opposed to hospitals because hospitals were worried they would be overrun. They hardly ever were. There were one or two that were definitely in crisis mode for a while there. But for the most part, the hospitals were never at the statewide, at least not overrun in this in New York state. And Governor Cuomo, who has a lot of really close friends and major donors in the hospital sector in the city in, 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 and in the state, took their advice, basically probably took their, took their strong recommendation is really a better word for it, and sent all these elderly people or kept all these elderly, elderly people in nursing homes and they passed away. So his record is very, very weak, which is one of the reasons why he needs to come out daily sounding like he's the Mr. Safety on COVID-19. But the political reason is very simple. There is absolutely little to no price that Andrew Cuomo will pay politically for singling out the Jewish community, Orthodox Jews, and the way that they are acting in the COVID-19 crisis. Again, I think that there's things that this community needed to do better. It needs to do better as far as protecting themselves and others from the virus. But they are being absolutely singled out when other groups, and and, and some of them aren't, aren't even communities. I'm not saying, oh, go look at the Latino community or go look at the black community or go look at this or that. It's not even that. It's just lots of other New Yorkers are breaking rules. But it's easy for Andrew Cuomo and, 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 and de Blasio to go after this particular group because they won't lose anything politically from it. Now, Mayor de Blasio is not running for re-election. I don't know what other job he's going to get um, in the next couple of days or months or year, or, or year <laughs> what other job he's going to get. But it, I don't think it's going to be with a major Jewish organization. And of course, he and Governor Cuomo get a lot of cover from the fact that if you attack, and this is something that everybody knows in New York State, and, and, and most people know if you are in the Jewish community and, and a member of it, in, in highly, you know, a highly participating member of the community, you know, you know that if Orthodox Jews and, and more traditional Jews are being attacked, not only will there be very little pushback politically for that politician to to worry about but he or she will most likely very quickly get support from more secular jews who will be very very quick to come out and 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 be happy to bash their fellow jews for their own personal reasons this is a sad state of affairs that i think has been true since probably since the roman conquest of judea and i'm not kidding i'm not saying that as a joke there is something about the history of Jewish victimization. We've been victims of so many different persecutions and attacks and, and mass murder. And there is something about human nature. I don't think this is just a Jewish thing. There's something about human nature that when a group is attacked by an outside foe, there will be some people within the group that's being attacked that will look inward and say, somebody within my group really caused this. This is a form, this is a, an ancillary of Stockholm Syndrome. Many, many of you listening may know what Stockholm Syndrome is. That's generally defined as when you are taken hostage or put under the thumb of a criminal. And, and you, the, the classic case is bank robbers come into a bank and hold everyone hostage. At some point, some of the hostages will start to identify and cling to emotionally the, the bank robbers. But there's another aspect of Stockholm Syndrome, which is some of the people held hostage, will look at other people being held hostage and blame them for the whole problem. They'll look at them and say, 
well, you were wearing that fancy watch and you were here to make, you know, put all your big money in this bank and that's what attracted these bad robbers. It's your fault. You know, we've seen this in Israel for years. Jews who want to live in the West Bank are, are blamed by other Jews sometimes in Israel for supposedly uh, instigating or egging on by either, you know, it, whether it's by accident or not, uh, a terrorist. Now, this is all ridiculous. This is all the, the, the result of mental anguish from being attacked. You, I think it's understandable, and in some ways we can be very compassionate to people who think this way because you know that they're probably in some very mental anguish as, as if they were being held hostage, like in a bank, like in the Stockholm Syndrome scenario. But to bring this back to New York City, we very often see when Orthodox Jews are being attacked or accused of something, guilty or not, by a non-Jewish leader or, or a, someone in the news media, you can bet that a less religious Jewish group or person will come out and support that accusation very quickly. Again, this happens also when Israel, now forget about just people living in the West Bank, when Israel itself is being attacked for a particular policy. You can bet that a more left-wing or secular Jewish group will be among the first people to join in that accusation or back it up. And it's a reprehensible but true fact of life for those of us who have been following what's been going on in the world for a long time. And again, I think this started with the Roman conquest of Judea, what is now the land of Israel, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago. I think it started then where there was, an un- uh, where there was a belief that, well, we're conquered, we're going to get conquered, these people are really powerful, let's see if we can sort of join with them or make it sound like we're not like the rest of the Jewish people. By the way, that never works. That never works. I'm going to avoid using the examples from the Holocaust that prove that it never works, just for the point of not being so horrifically uh, controversial and nasty, because I don't like bringing in Holocaust examples if we don't have to. But this is something that happened then too. So folks, we have to understand this. We must understand that It is politically expedient to attack Jewish groups, even in New York City, even in New York State and in New York City, because if you're a Democrat in in power in New York City, you don't have to really worry about ever being challenged. You don't. We're a one party state. We had a brief period in New York, you know, somewhat recently, about starting about thirty years ago where Republicans like Rudy Giuliani and, and George Pataki were able to break the Democrat monopoly over this, over this city and over the state. But that's long gone. And maybe it could, it'll come back, but it's going to take some really charismatic and popular people joining the Republican Party or running as Republicans to change that. And I don't see that happening yet. Maybe soon, but not yet. It's a death sentence right now politically in New York to say you're a Republican for, for almost any reason because New York City residents of all kinds have decided that the Republicans equals President Trump and President Trump is, is total evil and this is what people believe. Now, we've had incidents here in – I want to talk about the, the protests that happened during Cholomoy Sukkot last week because – there were some violent incidents. There were, I, I don't like to see any vandalism. You know, I wrote this on my Twitter feed, and people, please follow my Twitter feed for up-to-date news 
Um, this isn't about just promoting myself. It's also about just getting yourself updated news, things that you won't see anywhere else that, you sh- that should be covered. And I can talk about several stories just in the last several days that I put up on my Twitter feed that you will not see in the New York Times or on ABC News or on CNN or MSNBC or even Fox News. So please follow my Twitter feed. And, and you know, I, I write a lot there of my own content, but there's a, mostly the content of other really great journalists and people who are – and writers. So if you don't like me personally all that much, if you had enough of me, still go to the Twitter feed because I, I put a lot of this stuff up. So I said on my Twitter feed, though, that you know, I was against the violence and the rioting during the – all during during these Black Lives Matter uh, protests and riots, during these Antifa protests and riots. So I don't condone, and I'm against the the violence and vandalism. Again, it was on a much smaller scale, and I want to make that clear. But there was some vandalism, and there was some violence at these Haredi and Hasidic protests last week. Now, there was a, ju- a journalist from the Jewish Insider, Jacob Kornbluth, who I think is a very problematic individual, not someone whose career I support, not someone whose positions I support, and I don't think he was there to act as an honest broker as a journalist at those protests. Nevertheless, he should not have been physically assaulted, and the people who did physically assault him should be should face legal ramifications for it. And I think there was some property that was damaged. Uh, big bonfires burning masks in the middle of the street. I don't think that's a good look. I'm not a big fan of that. That can get dangerous, by the way. It's just not, that's not something that I think is, is productive. But being angry at being singled out, being angry at the fact that Governor Cuomo reneged on his promise to allow, I, I believe, more than 50% of capacity in, in the synagogues and other, and religious institutions, and then saying, no, I'm going to impose 25%. These things are worth protesting. And I think marches and demonstrations, but peaceful and nonviolent and no vandalism, I think should have been more of the, the norm. Now, early on Monday morning, they arrested Heshi Tischler, the, the radio personality. He has a radio show um, in the Haredi community. And I heard a lot of what he was saying during these protests, and I, I found it to be not productive, a lot of what he said. He's talking about how he was coming for Mayor de Blasio and coming for Governor Cuomo. These are not the kind, this is not the kind of rhetoric that I think works. And I'm not trying to put Jews at a higher, on a higher standard here, although I do believe that that is what we're sort of commanded to do, right? Kedoshim to you. I do think we are commanded to, be, to put ourselves on a higher plane, and by that, not thinking we're better than everybody else, but, but putting ourselves at a higher level of responsibility. But in this case, I'm not saying that we should be on such a high level of responsibility that we don't protest and we don't demonstrate. But inflammatory rhetoric and destroying a property and assaulting people, however, however irresponsible they may be, or putting themselves in a dangerous situation they may have done, I don't think is, is the right thing to do. So again, I'm not coming out here and saying the Haredi community and the Jewish community in Brooklyn is completely blameless and de Blasio and Cuomo are, are completely villains. But the fact is they are being singled out. The fact is that this is a bad situation for traditional Jews in this country. If, if traditional Jews in this country are being treated unfairly, even in New York City, then we have a problem. We have a problem in America. And when, the, when that problem is exacerbated by the fact that non, less traditional Jews 
or non-Hasidic or non-Haredi Jews, even those who might consider themselves Torah observant and things like that, are joining in the are joining in the chorus and not pointing out the double standard here, then we have an even further breakdown of religious freedom in this country. And for those of you who are listening who are not Jewish, who might be devout Catholics or even Muslims, you, you, you probably know that you'll be next if this is allowed. You know, I, I've said in earlier editions of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network that anti-Semitism and going after Jews has been the low-hanging fruit, knee-jerk policy of almost every radical movement or change movement in the history of the world. Because promoting anti-Semitic policies or anti-Semitic rhetoric is always a way to get some kind of a crowd to join you. It's sad but true. And it feels like there are certain members of the political establishment in this country who are flirting with that right now. I think Andrew Cuomo is, and I think Mayor de Blasio is. And I think that they're doing it because both of them are in a politically desperate situation. I know Andrew Cuomo's poll numbers are really high and that the liberal media has turned him into some kind of a, an absolute god and all those things because you know they've done a great job of covering up or keeping quiet about his nursing home scandal that I spoke about a few minutes ago. But he still knows he's fighting for his life because the New York City economic situation, the New York State and New York City economic situation is in very dire straits because of the COVID lockdowns that were way too extensive. And even the World Health Organization, which has been so problematically, problematically, problematic and ethically bad during this entire crisis, even they have finally come out over the last few days saying that economic lockdowns are not a good idea, not a good way to fight the the virus because they create, as you've heard me say many times here on Novak Now, that these economic lockdowns create much more misery than the the virus and death than the virus will ever cause. We know this now. I don't know why it took the World Health Organization so long to say so. I have some ideas. The fact that they seem to be very compliant to China even though China does not provide them any kind, of, uh, any kind of funding in the way that the United States did, at least until President Trump, I think, rightfully put a stop to it. But Andrew Cuomo knows that he has an economic disaster in New York State, and so he's still very much acting as if he's sort of pinned down, even though his poll numbers are high, because he always has that problem, and he always has the specter of the nursing home scandal becoming more of an issue as time goes on. It's not going to go away. There are going to be investigations. People are going to talk about it for a long time. He needs to be on the offensive. And going against the Jewish community in Brooklyn, the Orthodox community in Brooklyn, is a way of keeping that story, that other, these other stories and these other problems off the front page. And I think that's a big reason why he's doing it. And Mayor de Blasio also wants to leave office in mayor, as mayor with something better than a 20% approval rating. And if he goes after the Haredi Jews in Brooklyn strong, strongly enough, that might do it, sadly. Even in New York City, it might do it. There'll be enough people, enough people who don't like Jews, enough Jews who don't like Orthodox Jews who will, who will love the fact that de Blasio is doing this. This is where we are. We're at that same space we've been so many times in the history of the world over the last 2,000 years or longer where attacking the Jews is the default go-to position of otherwise failed politicians. It certainly is, has been the MO in the Middle East for a long time, and maybe it's changing now. I think that we're seeing some great moves right now with the United Arab, Arab, Arab Emirates and Bahrain making their peace deal with Israel. But 
every Arab and in some cases every Muslim country in the world uses anti-Semitism and the bashing of Israel to cover up the fact that they're failed leaders, that they have dictatorships, that they have uh, uh, bad economies, that their countries like Egypt have a majority of the country is illiterate. These are shameful, shameful facts that get pushed off the front pages or, or taken away from the front burner because these people are spewing anti-Semitism all the time or bashing Israel all the time. And that brings not only support from a lot of people, but it also focuses the discussion on something else other than their own failed leadership and everything else. And here we've reached this nadir, this low point here in New York State and New York City, where it looks like our politicians are flirting with the same kind of MO. And you can tell me all day and all night the same things I just said a few minutes ago, that yes, the ultra-Orthodox community should have been doing, in Brooklyn, should have been doing some more cautious and more responsible things when it came to COVID. I agree with you on that. But again, when you realize that other people, so many other people in New York were also not following the rules, and you realize why this group is being singled out, you can't avoid the fact, you can't avoid the hard truth that we are dealing with a very, very serious and sad situation right now in New York City. And again, coming after the Jews is going to be the first group they come after. They will come after other religious groups as well if this persists, because it, just, it, it gets easier to do. We're about to start the hearings for Justice Amy, well, possible Judge Amy Coney Barrett. She wants to be, you know, she's been nominated by President Trump to be the next Supreme Court Associate Justice. And we're probably going to hear some really anti-Catholic rhetoric. And traditional Jews, I think, are really obligated in this situation to speak up about how that's wrong. Because we know that that's the kind of stuff people say about Orthodox Jews. So we're in a bad situation right now. I wish I could put a real silver lining on it, but I will say this. I will say this. Let me just say this, because I don't know if this is going to happen, but I will say that the stage is set for this. The stage has been set in New York City and in New York State for some person seeking office, man or woman, to use this example in just the way that I described it to change the leadership of the city and the state. Now, Andrew Cuomo may move on to another job between now and 2022. Maybe he won't even run for re-election in 2022, even if he doesn't have a, a government post somewhere else or another big job. Mayor de Blasio, however, is definitely leaving. Next year is an election year in New York City for mayor. And I think the stage is set. And, I, and again, I, I call this only a, pop, a partial silver lining because we don't know if anyone's going to take advantage of this. But the stage is set for someone running for either mayor of New York City or eventually governor of New York State, but let's just say mayor of New York City, who comes out and says that we've had failed leadership in the city, that it's not about Donald Trump, that it's not about Republican and Democrat. It's about failed leadership in New York City. And we're tired of the partisan lines being drawn. New York City is a unique place. New York State is in a unique place. We're not, you can call us a blue state all you want. It's not about that. It's a special, special city. And we have had failed leaders, leadership at least for eight years with Mayor de Blasio. I think there were parts of Mayor Bloomberg's leadership that also failed. But for the most part, not so bad under Mayor Bloomberg and certainly not so bad under Mayor Giuliani. But it's time for someone to say, if you really are so worried about these labels, 
then fine, I won't run as a Democrat. I'll run as an independent. But if it's a strong enough person, preferably someone who has strong name recognition coming in, they won't need the Democrat or Republican Party nomination. They can run as a new party member. They can run whatever they're going, whatever they want to be. And again, as long as they're not going to run for another higher office after being New York City mayor, which is really a good idea, ask every New York City mayor who's tried to run for president. John Lindsay failed early. Mayor Giuliani failed early. Mayor de Blasio, yes, believe it or not, at this time last year, he was running for president. Do you remember that? <laughs> Incredible. But if there's someone who wants to really just be a good mayor of New York City and doesn't need a Republican or a Democratic Party backing after that, I think that they have a chance to do well. That's the silver lining I'll leave you with. I'm Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.